This is the American Medical Association's COVID-19 Update Podcast. This is part of an ongoing series featuring critical insights from the physicians and healthcare professionals on the front lines of the pandemic. Hello, this is the American Medical Association's COVID-19 update video and podcast. Today we have our weekly look at the numbers, trends, and latest news about COVID-19 with Andrea Garcia, now Vice President of Science, Medicine, and Public Health in Chicago. Congratulations, Andrea. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer in Chicago. Well, let's start with the numbers. Nationwide, we're seeing COVID cases Uh, decreasing over the past several weeks. What do the numbers continue to tell us, Andrea? Well, thanks for having me. And the daily average of new reported COVID cases has continued to fall, which is good news. And of course, that's a trend that we've been seeing since the beginning of August. If we look at the New York Times data, they're reporting about 88,000 COVID cases per day. That's down from more than 130,000 per day in mid-July. It's a decrease of about 14% over the past two weeks. And if we look across states, uh, those cases are falling in all but a few states. And some states are seeing uh, pretty dramatic declines, some by about 30% or more over the past two weeks. That's fantastic. Uh, And in the world of hospitalizations and deaths, are we seeing that uh, continue to fall as well? Well, hospitalizations have continued to fall this week and uh, that decrease is is another one that we've been seeing throughout the month of August. There are about 38,000 people currently in U.S. hospitals with COVID. It's a decrease of about 10% since the start of the month. Uh, The number of deaths reported each day has been fairly flat recently. We're still hovering around uh, just under 500 per day. Obviously, far from acceptable, but that number is, is, of course, much lower than other points throughout the pandemic. Well, Labor Day is just uh, around the corner, and uh, in fact, many parts of the country, kids are already back in school. Uh, what are we thinking about in terms of fall boosters? So Moderna has asked the FDA for an EUA for its COVID-19 booster shot, and the company's EUA application is based on preclinical data for their bivalent dose that contains the dominant BA4, BA5 Omicron subvariant and the original COVID strain. Moderna said its mid to late stage trial for that vaccine is underway. Uh, if, If authorized and cleared, they'd be ready to deliver those doses in September. Uh, if the vaccine receives authorization and then it's recommended by CDC for use in the population, we would likely see it be available for adults 18 and older. Uh, Moderna's application follows Pfizer's. Uh, they've applied to the FDA for an EUA for their Omicron COVID booster um, and, and authorized and recommended the Pfizer one would be available for those age 12 and up. So that could be sign off, I guess, as early as next week. Is that right? Yeah, it's, it's hard to know exact timing. We do know that the CDC's Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices is meeting on September 1st and 2nd. Uh, once FDA acts and ECIP makes a recommendation, then the CDC director would also sign off and make a final decision, which we know that is the last step in rolling out those new doses. So uh, shipments could begin as early as next week, uh, and that's according to those who are familiar with the plan. And we'll have a chance to hear firsthand from the AMA's ACIP liaison, Dr. Sandra Freihofer, at the conclusion of those meetings so we can uh, share all the details 
Uh, Moderna and Pfizer also in multiple headlines last week for other reasons. Kind of unexpected. Moderna is now suing Pfizer. What's the story here, Andrea, and uh, any impact on fall boosters? So Moderna on Friday filed a patent infringement lawsuit against Pfizer and BioNTech for infringing patents central to the mRNA technology platform. And if you look at their press release, Moderna believes that Pfizer and BioNTech's COVID vaccine community infringes patents Moderna filed between 2010 and 2016, and that covers Moderna's foundational mRNA technology, which we know was critical to the development of Moderna's own mRNA COVID vaccine spike back. Um, in an interview on CNN, Moderna had um, taken some pains to really narrow the remedy for its grievances in order to limit the impact that this lawsuit could have on public health. They said in the release that they're not aiming to remove Pfizer's vaccine from the market or to prevent uh, future sales of that Pfizer vaccine. They've also made it clear that uh, they would not enforce its patent for any COVID vaccine used in the 92 lower and middle income countries. And I think given all of this, it's, it should not impact fall boosters. Well, what may impact fall boosters, however, uh, is a lack of funding. Uh, let's talk about what the latest news is there. So many of the local programs that brought vaccine to places where people in the U.S. gather uh, during our initial COVID vaccine rollout have folded. And we know that there is a lack of additional pandemic response funding for the distribution of these new booster doses. Um, we know the, the local health departments who are responsible uh, for COVID vaccines are gearing up for flu shots this fall. They've also been juggling the monkeypox outbreak response. And of course, with kids going back to school, uh, they're catching kids up on routine immunization. So our public health infrastructure is stretched thin. Uh, where states, uh, states can seek money is from FEMA, and that's for certain vaccine-related expenses like setting up sites, buying equipment, uh, offering uh, translation or transportation services. But a lot of this rollout is moving to private sites. So states have been promised a really um, modest amount of 550 million reimbursement in vaccine spending. Um, and for comparison, last year, that figure was about 8.5 billion. So I think the other consideration we need to think about is while these vaccines are supposed to be free for everyone, those with or without insurance, the federal government, ran out of money this spring to offer reimbursement for shots for the uninsured. So that's gonna make it more difficult for them to access these new boosters. Yeah, that's, that's quite a reduction in the spending from $8.5 billion down to $550 million. Curated from more than 3,000 major newspapers, magazines, and journals, the AMA Morning Rounds newsletter delivers the top stories in healthcare right to your inbox Monday through Friday. Subscribe today and check out all the AMA's free newsletters at ama-assn.org slash myinbox. That's ama-assn.org slash myinbox. Um, we've also seen, you know, that kind of lack of funding affect testing. What do we need to know about that? Well, the federal government announced that they're pausing uh, the program they've set up to send free COVID testing kits, um, and that pause will start in September. According to their website, uh, they'll be taking orders through 
uh, Friday, September 2nd, but due to insufficient funding from Congress, uh, they're not going to replenish the nation's stockpile of tests. Uh, the administration uh, started this program back in January. They've distributed 600 million COVID tests nationwide. I think the hope is that while we are still dealing with a highly contagious Omicron variant, free and accessible testing would help slow the spread of the virus. Um, the good news is many people can still get free tests through private insurance or Medicare or Medicaid. Well, in somewhat better news, parents will now have the option of another COVID-19 vaccine to choose from for their children. Uh, what can you tell us about that, Andrea? Now, early last week, we saw the CDC director recommend the Novavax vaccine as another COVID-19 uh, vaccine primary series option for adolescents aged 12 through 17. That, of course, followed the FDA's EUA for this age group. And we know this vaccine has been available for emergency use for adults 18 and over since July. Again, this is a good option for those who want a more traditional protein-based vaccine. Well, in addition to concerns about COVID uh, for the fall for kids going back to school, there are also concerns, of course, about monkeypox and the CDC released new guidance for schools. What is the uh, news there? So the, the guidance for schools, daycares, teachers, and parents who are concerned about monkeypox uh, really acknowledges that it's, this is a low risk for children's and, children and adolescents in the U.S. right now. Uh, symptoms for children infected with monkeypox are largely similar to those we see in adults, but we do need to acknowledge that the CDC says young children, those under eight years of, of age, may be at increased risk for severe outcomes from monkeypox disease. And if there is an exposure of the children uh, at school, daycare, do they need to stay home? According to the guidance, most children who have caregivers with monkeypox should be able to attend school and other programs. The CDC said children generally do not need to stay home while they're monitoring for symptoms after they've come into close contact with an infected person, whether it's a parent or caregiver. Um, and they advise that schools and daycares really rely on their everyday operational guidance uh, in, in, in hand washing and cleaning surfaces and that's going to really help reduce the risk of potential cases from the outbreak. Um, of course, kids should stay home when they're sick and if they end up developing symptoms. And you can learn more about that guidance for schools, which is in a Q&A format on the CDC website. What's the broader picture look like in terms of monkeypox case numbers? According to the CDC, we're hovering right around 18,000 confirmed cases of monkeypox nationwide. Those case numbers have continued to increase but the speed of that outbreak does appear to be slowing down. Uh, according to CNBC, the new monkeypox cases are falling in major cities like New York and here in Chicago. Uh, and the CDC director said that she is cautiously optimistic that vaccination and harm reduction strategies might be slowing the spread of the virus. That is good news. Uh, so we'll take it and we'll end on that particular note. We'll continue, of course, to keep an eye on it. Andrea, thanks so much for joining us today. And we'll be back soon with another episodes. You can find all our videos and podcasts at ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thanks for joining us. Please take care. Subscribe to other great AMA podcasts available wherever you listen to yours or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thank you for listening.